0: Welcome to the We Are Next podcast, advice and insight from all over the advertising industry to help you navigate your career with confidence. I'm Natalie Kim. And
1: I'm Lee Thing, an associate brand manager on esports at Riot Games.
0: And thanks for listening. Hi everybody, it's Natalie and welcome to episode 30. It's been a whirlwind week, you guys. I've been on the road being a bridesmaid at a very good friend's wedding in New York City. While I was in town, I squeezed in a couple podcast episode recordings that I'm super excited about. One with the female founders of Ripley Strategy and the second with Bennett Bennett, staff writer at The Drum. I can't wait to release those episodes for you guys. And then last night I flew to St. Louis where I'll be keynoting a Young Professionals event hosted by the ad club of greater St. Louis. I guess by the time you hear this, it'll have already happened. I am recording in my hotel the day of the event, which is why I have my morning voice, which will hopefully go away before tonight. Um, but I'm super excited about that. And, and I can't wait to meet everyone here through the ad club and the ad to network. Thank you so much to everyone who shared the launch of We are next jobs last week. The reception has been awesome so far. And if you haven't checked it out, I'll include a link to it in the show notes. Our guest this week is Leif Ng. He's an associate brand manager of eSports at Riot Games. I couldn't wait to have Leif on the podcast because, one, I used to be his boss at the beginning of his career after I hired him as a strategy intern uh, to join the Firstborn team. And two, he's made the switch to the brand side a few years later, specifically in the world of gaming. He shares such great perspective about starting out in strategy Better understanding clients now that he is one, and how to leave an agency the right way. Let's get to it. Enjoy. Thanks so much for having me. We're here in the right Games office in Los Angeles, and how we first connected was because we worked together at Firstborn. So this is actually the you're the first person I've, I guess, hired that I <laughs> <laughs> got on the podcast that I'm <laughs> interviewing for the podcast. So nice. I think this will be really fun. Yeah. I always start by asking guests to talk about how they got their start in the industry. I know a little bit of your story, um, but if you could talk about how you found advertising strategy made your way in and I'll chime in where, where it's relevant.
1: No, you were a big part of it, but um, yeah, I guess I I came to UCLA. um, I knew I wanted to do something in kind of the like media entertainment publishing type space, um, but I didn't know exactly what. So I kind of went out and, you know, I, I majored in communications. I decided I wanted to do that. so that was a good first step. Um, and then after that, it was kind of just a matter of looking for clubs, organizations, internships, anything I could that felt like a it could be a fit, um, and then trying to whittle down from there. So um, I, I started with some internships in public relations, um, which I, I liked the general idea of, but the actual kind of day- to day of it wasn't quite for me. So um, from there I ended up you know thinking about advertising because they are so close to one another. Uh started on the Bruin Advertising and Marketing team, which is a little bit of our connection. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I, I started on that actually as a media planner, um, because coming from public relations that made a little bit more sense than any other role. Mm-hmm. Um, did media planning for a couple of years, liked it a lot, but found that I was really liking the research part and the thinking about what types of media people are going to be more interested in, um, better than kind of the financial and you know statistical analysis part of it. Right. Um, so that kind of led into me, you know, becoming a director of, of ad team and from there really focusing in on strategy, um, that year that I was a director, um, and, and realized pretty quickly that it, it felt right and it felt like something I like to do. Um, so as a director, I spent a lot of time with the strategy team. Um, and then, you know, after that year, uh, I was ready to get into the workforce. I was graduating. Um, so I guess this is where you come in. Yeah.
0: So... <laughs> Uh, so I was at firstborn and we were growing the team and I was looking for a strategy intern and I thought it'd be so awesome to get someone from the Bruin ad team out to New York. I'm like a huge proponent of people who have an inkling to go to New York to you know try it out. So I emailed probably the general, Bruin at team email yes. and said hey if you if there are any graduating seniors who are interested in New York City I have an opportunity I would love to talk yeah and I think you're the one who fielded the email right
1: yeah so I was the director so I was the one who controlled <laughs> yeah. that email address and I, I definitely you know sent it out to the team and everything and I was I think the only one who actually took you up on it yeah you were yeah.
0: like actually it's just me
1: yeah <laughs> um but you know talk to you and um it was kind of at a crossroads where I needed to make a decision between, you know, whether to take that public relations internship experience that I had um, and try to, you know, work that into an entry-level position mm-hmm. or, you know, recognize the fact that I didn't have any experience in the advertising field and go with an internship there. Um, and the combination mm-hmm. of, you know, the the time I'd spent on strategy on ad team and how much I'd liked it and then the, you know, pull to try out New York and, and make a big change in my life. Um, kind of added up to, to taking the internship.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, then I got out to firstborn, uh, and that's, that's when I kind of, you know, actually started doing the strategy work, started focusing on it full time, you know, learning about it from awesome mentors like Natalie and, you know, um, the other, other members of the strategy team. And I think that was when it really started to, to feel, you know, like what I was meant to do and like, uh, like the, the things that I was doing, I wanted to do more mm-hmm. of, and I wanted to do them in a bigger way and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of just, just felt that hunger for, for, uh, for, strategy um, mm-hmm. that I hadn't felt for anything in a while so
0: and I feel like going back to what you said earlier in your journey and trying out PR that's definitely something that I tried out too in undergrad and I was talking to another group at UCLA just the other night and I had mentioned that as part of like my presentation and they were like what about PR like didn't you like like was there something that you know you can like are there any pitfalls that like we should look out for and I was like well it's, it's really just a personal thing it was really hard for me to explain like once I started talking about it but for me it just like i felt like who i was naturally would never make me like a really great publicist yeah um i don't know how you felt i mean you wouldn't have to sit here and like trash on pr no no. i mean i was
1: very interested in it for a while um i think the parts that i liked were were kind of the building relationships and and thinking about ways to um you know meet the needs of both both ends of that relationship right so if if we're developing a kind of a a relationship with a a publication or someone who works with that publication, there's a lot of different strategic thinking, you know, that that needs to go into that, you know, like, uh, what's the story that's the best fit for the publication? Um, is there, is there a story that's a fit for the publication and, you know, getting to think about that on, on, you know, a bunch of different levels for different products and for different publications, super interesting stuff. Um, but the, the relationship management part of it, um, kind of became more uh, of my focus than the strategic part of it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, I loved both parts, but I definitely like the strategic part more. Yeah. And seeing that, you know, as you rise and, you know, talking to people who'd made, you know, made their career in PR, um, who really were focused on the relationship stuff pretty much 24-7. Um, you know, I realized that it wasn't quite for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are a lot of people who excel with that and, you know, they go into PR, or new business or something where it's really all about maintaining those relationships and, you know, and uh, finding ways to make them make them work for the business. Um, yeah. for me personally, that that isn't my strength necessarily. Yeah, so.
0: that's, I mean, that's a really good point, though. That what the things that you were doing in PR, you can see them from like a strategic lens, and I'm oh, yeah. sure that's a lot of what helped get you the, yeah. like, into advertising. I think that was like the, the, the undercurrent
1: of, of everything. You know, when I started in the communications major at UCLA, the the thing that kept being driven into me um, from all these people who had worked in the entertainment industry and were now teaching or coming in to speak. Um, was that kind of like logical problem solving, strategic vision type, um, you know, orientation that you have to have to do any of these jobs. Really? Right. So,
0: so you mentioned, so you're at Firstborn, you, you came in as a strategy intern, and you very quickly became an associate strategist. I wanted to know what the most challenging thing was for you starting out in strategy, which I think is a, as a role is, so difficult to one, find opportunities in, but also yeah. two, just to kind of get your foot in the door and, and you know, take off running.
1: Yeah. Um, I think getting my foot in the door, we talked about a little bit earlier, it was it was that connection we had from from ad teams. So doing things like that in college was a big part of getting my foot in the door. I think once I had my foot in the door, the thing that was most difficult as like an kind of an intern and an associate was just understanding where you can Kind of be strong in your stance and, and have a really strong perspective, um, knowing that you know the the research or the information you have to back it up. Maybe it came from a source that isn't like incredibly reliable, or maybe mm-hmm. you don't have all the you know research research resources you would like to have to address that problem and tackle it. You, I think at some point you kind of realize that there's no situation where you have the perfect set of like inputs uh, to take and, and create an output from. Um, and that happened for me actually after I became a strategist. Um, I don't think I learned that for a while. And it was you and, and the other people on the team who were a little higher level that helped me kind of, you know, get that. Like there's never there's never necessarily a perfect answer. And there's so many situations being a strategist where you're kind of asked to have the perfect answer right. or, or have the perspective that everyone else will kind of adhere to. Um, I, I think you, again, you, you learn that there's, there's a, 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 a threshold kind yeah. of of when you can feel confident in a decision or a perspective. Um, and it's, it's difficult to, to, you know, get that perspective and, and get that feel for when you have the, the right perspective, right. um, until you're kind of leading things, working on them on your own and, you know, being faced with the realities of like the client vendor relationship and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the, the time constraints that are always going to exist. Um, yeah. just kind of learning what the, what the floor is, uh, for, for confidence in a perspective or decision.
0: It, that whole dynamic of like the constraints that you have whether it's like from a resource perspective like i i know at firstborn other places i've worked like i never had access to like any of the databases right. or research tools that um some people use and so you have to sort of find more creative and scrappy ways to get to the same answer or uh, relative answer um, and at the same time like sometimes you only have a few days to turn around a piece yeah. of research and so I know like for me, yeah, like going into the real world and working in the real world, that like the constraints part part of it and getting to, you know, the best answer that you could in that time, like that's yeah. really all you can do.
1: Well, and when you're working in digital or, you know, like mobile gaming, which is a lot of what I was doing at Firstborn, there isn't anything out there. <laughs> to, to even if you have all the resources in the world to, to purchase, there's, there's no research on the subjects necessarily that you're looking for. So you yeah. either have to get scrappy and and figure it out yourself, or um, just kind of find other ways to substantiate your decisions and just think about them logically because you're probably the first person who's tried to tackle that specific decision.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, That's a really good point. So we touched on this a little bit, but I wanted to know how what you learned about advertising or what you thought about the advertising industry before you got in compared to your experience of it when you were actually working at an agency.
1: Yeah, I, um, you know, this is going to go back to ad team because so much of what I thought about advertising um, came from that. But uh, I think that uh, one, one parallel, something I thought that turned out to be true, was it goes back to the scrappiness thing. But in a lot of situations, like the Googling around and the, like, you know, group decision-making that you're doing in, in, a, in an environment like an advertising and marketing club or, you know, uh, other kind of theoretical things that you're doing mm-hmm. in college, that's that's very similar to what you end up doing in the real world. Um, so So that's one thing that was similar. I think something that was a little bit different um you, you when you're on something like Ad Team or when you're just thinking about advertising uh from a you know not being in the professional world standpoint, um you kind of look at like the really big commercials that have come out or the, mm-hmm. the really big exciting marketing campaigns, you look at like Super Bowl stuff yeah. and you look at it and you say like wow I wanna make that or like that's that's a really cool like expression of strategy um in, in a product uh in a marketing product. Um and that that's all super exciting, but once you get into the, the working world, especially if you go the digital route the way that I did, um a lot of the time, you're working on stuff that, that has an impact, but it's maybe a little bit lower impact. So you're working on a lot of different social campaigns, mm-hmm. or you know, you're working on a lot of different um, websites and, and digital experiences. You know, none of those things are necessarily going to have the huge impact that like a Super Bowl commercial will, right? right so right. I think you go into it with that 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 really high, like aspirational uh, way of thinking about what you want to make and. Of course, if you if you go to the certain agencies or you you put yourself on the right track, you can totally get there. And, you know, even if you're in digital, you'll get to a point where you're working on the the bigger, higher level stuff. Mm -hmm. But when you first start, uh, it is a lot of kind of, you know, smaller and and more targeted uh, work. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a little bit jarring for me just because, you know, I was coming into like advertising with that very like rosy view of, of, you know, crazy, huge multimillion dollar commercials.
0: I think that's a very common um experience for people starting out not just because as a junior yeah you might be giving like the smaller tasks or the smaller projects at first but i think yeah people's idea of what advertising is is very much still what it was back in the day yeah. and still is to a certain extent yes you have the big like tentpole super bowl spots yeah. but i think the the majority of what advertising is now is these things that live in digital, whether it's a digital campaign or like a a website that exists for, you know, a really long time for a brand or like experiential or new technology like VR. Like those are the things that I think comprise more of the industry that, than people think. And so a a lot of people are like really surprised when they get in and realize like that's, that's what they're going to be working on. And I think, I think it's like redefining what impact means because maybe like the website where they actually like sell the products like yeah. that is The like number one touch point for yeah. the consumer, you know, yeah. what I mean? versus like a TV commercial that they might see like once And a it's, year. it's like it's
1: learning to get excited by you know The impact that you actually end up having as opposed to like the the super aspirational like emotional moment totally. uh, connection to the consumer thing that's that's super exciting in its own way, but I think once you get into the the realities of working and and doing advertising and marketing day after day and, you know, making it such a big part of your life, you kind of have to learn to get excited by like meeting business goals. And, you know, if you're making a website where people shop for products, you know, if if you're turning over more product than you were before, if it's easier for people to find products than it was before, sure, in that consumer's, you know, life, it might not be some crazy emotional connection that they're having with the brand, but you're you're making a long-term relationship with the consumer and you're also you know, driving the outcome that you were meant to drive in yeah. the work that you're doing. So that's exciting in some way.
0: Yeah, I think too, I always think about it as like providing like long-term value for the client in digital versus, I mean, you can't say that for all digital because some of it is like right. a social campaign that's only out for like, a, you know, a week or so. Yeah. But yeah, when you're building like digital products and services, which is a lot of what the work that, that we are doing at Firstborn, um, That's kind of always the way I thought about it. Like, how can they invest in digital in a way that, like, actually, yes, moves the needle for them business-wise, but, like, actually makes a difference um, to, like, the relationship and experience that their consumers have with the brand?
1: For sure, yeah. And I think that the word brand gets used a lot, right? But the the relationship that, that people have with brands, especially today, is so different than what it was in the past and so much more kind of elongated. Like there's all those different consumer funnels that people are talking about now and like the consumer, (laughs) you know, a cyclical, um, it's, uh, it's really thinking about like that long-term relationship that people have with the brand and and how you're having an emotional impact in that way. Right. Um, which can be more exciting.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I want to talk about leaving an agency because it's a hard situation, no matter like what the circumstances. And I think, we both left Firstborn on really great terms for our own reasons. So I wanted to talk about the best way to leave an agency, if you're cool with that. Yeah. Um, what do you think contributes to a smooth exit from an agency?
1: Um, so for me, uh, it, was, it was all about openness. I think, you know, I, I told you and I told the other people on our team, uh, the strategy team, um, that I was thinking about it, gosh, probably five or six months before i'd actually found a job and before i'd started looking for jobs um so i think that the the relationship that i had with with the team and also even with even with you know people at the higher leadership level you know i i made my decision known to you know directors of of different departments and stuff early on as well and that openness is something that you know might not work at every agency but uh, at a smaller digital agency like firstborn people really respected it and i think that they also kind of you know wanted to work with me to figure out you know is it just about leaving firstborn? Is it about, you know, there, there were a lot of conversations about ways that I maybe could be happier at firstborn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, w- I was super happy to have those conversations and I, I, I wanted to. Um, but for me in the end, it just, it turned out, you know, it wasn't about the job, it was about wanting to make a move and be closer to my family. So being able to be very open about mm-hmm. that that contributing factor or main factor, um, I think made it easier for everyone else to understand why I was making the decision I was. Um, and I think that also, you know, the openness early on is a big part of why I was able to kind of, you know, stay on for those six months and, con- you know, continue to contribute to Firstborn um, while I was looking for another position. Um, and I think that that was probably also one of the other things that that made it uh, pretty smooth was the fact that I was I was still working my ass off like, for yeah. those six months. Like I was yeah. I, maybe even more than in the past because I felt more pressure to show that I was, you know, yeah. while I'm here, I want to still contribute value. Right. Um, so I think remembering that, you know, even if you, if you are able to get in that situation of openness, which is mm-hmm. what I would recommend, um, remembering that you're, you're still, you know, being paid to do a certain job and, yeah. you know, there's people expecting and relying on you to do that job. So, you know, continuing to just like do your best until the finish yeah. I think is a, a big part of it.
0: It's such a like almost chicken and egg, but I, I agree with what you're saying in terms of when we get the idea in our head. I think I need to make a move for yeah. whatever reason. It can totally like fester and like color like yeah. everything that you do, um, work-wise, and your interactions with people at the agency. And, and then you get to a point where you're just like biding your time, which is terrible, right? right. Um, not but, good for
1: you or the agency. Right, exactly.
0: Yeah. And if you can be more open about what you're thinking and how you're feeling, um, you know, with with the people around you, not only can Will they understand like where you're coming from and, yeah. and like how to work with you over the next, you know, however long it is before you're able to find a new opportunity. And yeah. like you said, I think a lot of the relationships that you'd built at Firstborn beforehand made it so that, you know, people want to see you happy. They want to see you succeed, whether that's at Firstborn or at the next place. Right. Um, so, yeah, um, and I think
1: going into it at the beginning, you know. When I say openness, I wasn't six months before saying, like, I'm going to leave Firstborn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was more like having that conversation with my my supervisors and, you know, people who um, people who are relying on me to say, you know, I'm, I'm seriously thinking about leaving New York. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as part of that, that would probably mean leaving Firstborn. Um, right. So starting the conversation there as opposed to just starting it with, like, I want to leave this company.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: you, know, you know, talk about the reason you want to leave and, and make that clear. And I think that everything else will kind of flow from it.
0: Yeah, I I was in the same boat in terms of like I told everyone like so early like yeah. almost like a full year because yeah. we just like my my you know then fiance and I just you know made this decision we're like we want to move back to California be closer to family like you said um, and and that was that you know it's like it, if the agency is only in one place there's kind of no getting around it um, yeah. yeah. It's hard though. <laughs> it's really hard. And
1: I, I say all of this, you know, first one was a unique place. We were small and we were very close. Yeah. And I think that that level of openness, like you said, was, was only something I felt comfortable doing because of the relationships that I built. Yeah. And I definitely started with the people I felt more comfortable with. Right. And then those people suggested that I continue to tell others. Yeah. And, you know, so I think really finding your ally, um, whether it's one person, two people, your team, mm-hmm. um, finding, finding someone who you would be comfortable to talk with with those talk about those things mm-hmm. with, um, super important. And, and if you don't feel like you have that person, you know, that I think that's maybe a, a,
0: a sign A, a sign, or, <laughs> yeah.
1: or also just kind of a, you know, a point of a point of a point for you to start questioning, you know, kind of
0: yeah,
1: what your relationships are at the agency and if it is the right, the right, right. fit for that reason.
0: What so. you don't want to have happen is like, tell them and then, especially if like the reasons why you're leaving have something to do with agency which obviously wasn't our situation but if it is which you know is a common experience as well like it shouldn't be a surprise to them it should never be like a surprise like you should have had like if you can have those conversations not about leaving like you said but about hey like i'm really having trouble with this aspect of my work or the agency i'm not super happy with this like they should have had like a few different touch points with you ahead of you being like we have to have the conversation because i'm i have to leave um i just think it's yeah it's for, for both parties, it's like a shame when it gets to that point because yeah. it's like, oh, we could have maybe tried to make things better along the way um, and that, that you had to feel this way, like up until like the last minute, you know, before. Yeah. You and it I mean, weeks. there were
1: points, you know, that that I had conversations with with my team at Firstborn about like ways that I wanted to grow or, you know, things that I wanted to do more of things that I wanted to do less of. Um, but I didn't frame those conversations as, as a threat, or yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> you know, because it wasn't quite the, wasn't quite there in my mind yet. Yeah. I think that that's the best mindset to keep is, you know, if you feel yourself starting to, you know, get that itch to, to leave, think about why and, and try to address the why before you get too deep down the path of, you know, I just I want to get out of here.
0: Yeah, that's really good advice. So moving on, how did you land your job at Riot Games?
1: Yeah. Um, so that was another situation where i um, you know, a, a an ally, someone who had gotten really close to, um, set things up. So, um, the uh, the VP of, of strategy at Firstborn, uh, Eugene, uh, who we both worked with, mm-hmm. um, he had a, a a contact at Riot, um, and and you know, Eugene and I worked together on on Supercell, which was a mobile game, and we had a lot of uh, a lot of experience together. You know, figuring out what what this new world of gaming and kind of like competitive gaming means, and yeah. you know how best to to express it through digital products. So. Um, we, I think he had a, a little bit of confidence in me from, from that relationship and you know, knew that I knew games and that I had a passion for, for games, even outside of you know, the work we'd done on Supercell. So he suggested that I meet up with um, uh, a, uh, a brand guy at, at Riot who was gonna be in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up meeting with him and, uh, and a recruiter, had a really good conversation. Um, and uh, that, that night, actually, they invited me to go to uh, the, the World Quarterfinals, I believe, mm-hmm. in uh, Madison Square Garden. Uh, for League of Legends. Um, and that that was kind of the the tipping point for me. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I I was a little bit skeptical of esports at first, to be honest. I, I knew that it was this huge emerging market, but I also knew that it was very new and the yeah. cultural acceptance of it wasn't quite there, right? But going to to Madison Square Garden with them and seeing this huge crowd all, all cheering for the, you know, the, the biggest tournament um, in the world for esports mm-hmm. uh, got me really excited. And so, after, after I saw that, after I talked to the team that came in and uh, was out there that met with me, um, I started feeling really good about the opportunity, Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it turned out that there was still a very long kind of interview process <laughs> to go through, and I maybe was putting the cart out of the horse a little bit. Um, so I, I think about a month or two after uh, I had that first interview, mm-hmm. I'd, um, I'd gone through many, many phone interviews, <laughs> um, talked to a lot of different people from a lot of different teams, um, and ended up coming out to, uh, to riot. Um, again, something that I talked to everybody at first about and yeah. let them know what's happening. Came out to riot, um, and interviewed in person. Uh, things went really well, ended up getting the offer, um, pretty soon after that. And it's all kind of history from there. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. It, can you explain really quickly for people who don't might not be familiar what esports yeah definitely. is?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's actually an interesting part of it too. Um, because, I started out with the the esports interviewing for the esports thing when I wasn't even necessarily sure what it was either. So, <laughs> um, it's it's basically just competitive gaming. So it's it's teams of for, for League of Legends specifically, it's teams of five people getting together in a massive arena or um, you know maybe a smaller stage if it's a a, a less uh, kind of prestigious event. Um, getting together and playing the game against one another competitively. It's super similar actually to, to you know traditional sports like basketball or football they yeah. they do seasons uh, when they play and then they have standings from the seasons that go into playoffs um, and then uh, ultimately all of these 14 leagues around the world who run their own seasons uh, come together for international events which is what i work on um, so the mid-season invitational uh, all-stars rift rivals and the world championship are the four major international events for league of legends mm-hmm. um, and again these are basically just times when those 14 leagues from around the world, so basically 14 separate NBAs on a smaller scale, kind of come together and and have these massive international tournaments that, you know, get huge viewership. I think we had upwards of like 80 million viewers at our our peak for last year's uh, World Championship. Um, So uh, in working on those international events, I'm doing a lot of of publishing around, um, you know, Promotion for the event whether it's like players and competitive type stuff or mm-hmm. whether it's you know more out-of-the-box stuff like a music video or You know creative stuff that we're doing to promote the the tournament um, that, That's where I get into it.
0: Cool. yeah I mean you segued right into my next question was which was your role as associate brand manager here and right yeah. at riot I guess how would you? Compare it to what you were doing before at Firstborn? Were, yeah. were it similar where it's different
1: um, I would say the the biggest difference that immediately stuck out to me was like the the way that i'm interacting with like research and statistics and analysis so uh, at firstborn i was doing a lot or i was doing all of that research um, or i was gathering that research and and bringing it together Um, and that was probably the biggest component of my job at Mm -hmm. firstborn Um, you know there was a lot of synthesizing that research and you know applying some strategic thinking looking at like business concerns or business development things and applying that to the the research as well but uh, the the core of it was doing the research Mm -hmm. Um, uh, as an associate brand manager, it's I'm not really doing any research on my own. Um, I'm working with teams that do research and and taking that as an input for for decisions that I'm making. Um, but I'm working across you know a, a ton of different teams to basically make uh, strategic decisions about the way that we're uh, putting content or uh, products out, mm-hmm. which is kind of how we define publishing. Um, so whether it's that that kind of promotional stuff for an event whether it's uh, the way that our website just looks on any given day. It's basically any, 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 uh, any kind of like impression of the Riot esports brand um, is, is where I come in and I'm kind of you know, working with, again, different teams, whether it's like a content team or whether it's a, uh, a stage design team, whatever it is, just trying to make sure that we're A, like aligned with our strategic goals at a super high level um, in all these individual applications and then B, uh, that it's something we want players to see and that it's the way we wanna be perceived.
0: That's really cool. This is all like very illuminating for me. <laughs> like yeah, I know I insane. know you've been working here, but like <laughs> to actually different. hear what you're doing, I'm like, that's really cool.
1: Yeah, and it's such a big change from Firstborn. Yeah. I think, um, but you know, as we were saying at the beginning of this conversation, the, the thing that has carried through this entire time is that it, it all comes down to like solving hard problems yeah. or making decisions and, and having a strong point of view on them. And that yeah. that's the same undercurrent from firstborn to, to riot.
0: Having made the switch from, I guess, what we call agency side to client or brand side now, what have you learned about either side?
1: Um, I think it's very easy to kind of look at clients as a black box yes. when you're on the agency side, especially when you have a the way we did at first one a, a very strong production team that handles most of the client uh, interaction outside of like strategic decision making or workshops. Um, being the client or kind of being in the 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 world that you know i was looking at as a black box you you understand why decisions are made and why some of the things that seem like just small nagging like problems that that could just be magically solved on the agency Mm -hmm. side you understand why they exist right so um things like uh you know not being able to start work until a contract has been signed or until you know a, a not be, not wanting to take on a a very small project because it's not going to you know meet the business needs of the agency right. you know all these things just kind of make you angry when you're at the agency right you're like yeah. gosh I, we really wanted to work on that project like why can't we take it on or yeah you know we we, we just needed like three more days to finish that project but it wasn't within the scope like why right. did that happen um, you know and and you kind of i think you kind of try to over explain when you're on the agency side but mm-hmm you know on the client side all the explanations are pretty much what you would expect right the the reason you can't keep working on that project with the set scope is because it, it would it would take a you know a, a two week rescoping and recontracting process to to just add on that addendum you know because yeah. it wasn't built into the original contract right. or you know um, the the reason that uh, you know the 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 agency can, or the client can't come to with a larger project is because there's just no project that exists, right? Yeah. So you, you kind of learn to look at it outside of the microcosm of like the the that specific relationship, and you see that there are all these other factors that are being taken into consideration from the client side and all these other products that are being made outside of that specific one, and you see kind of how all of those factors affect. Mm-hmm. Um, all the things that again you see as kind of a black box from the agency perspective.
0: Yeah, what we do on the agency side is such a small, small piece of yeah. you know, Like what, and
1: it can be super impactful, right? Like yeah. if it's the right relationship or if you know you find the right project. But the reality is, is that you know businesses have super specific needs, um, and and meeting those needs isn't a matter of like the the relationship. It's a matter of the, the agency's capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there's a situation where capabilities just don't work, contractual stuff doesn't work, scope doesn't work, right. It sucks, but it's, it's kind of just the reality of it.
0: Yeah. Um, how would you then, what like what would you tell yourself uh, on the, <laughs> on the on agency, agency side to like how to like, what would be your advice for being a better partner to like you on the client side now? I think
1: being more understanding of those business constraints. Um, you know, if we're working with like a, a, you know, a huge corporation or something, it's easy to again say like, oh, they have millions of dollars. Why can't they just spend a little bit more on this? Yeah. Um, you know, there's many different departments, many different controls against just spending those millions of dollars. And I think that I, again, would get kind of frustrated by things like that. And I would let it affect me on other projects um, as, a, as a strategist at the agency. But the reality of it is, is that there, there are so many factors influencing other than, you know, your work, um, the agency's, the perception of the agency, um, the work you've done in the past. All these things that come to the forefront when you're on the agency side. Yeah. They're not the cause of it. And yeah. I think that not getting caught up or, or worried about those things would have, uh, would have helped me stay more focused in the day to day for sure.
0: Me too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody in an agency would say that. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right. So let's wrap this up. We always end with the best piece of advice that you've ever been given.
1: Um, it's kind of goes back to something I was saying earlier, but, um, Eugene, the old VP mm-hmm. from, from firstborn, uh, told me at one point, like there's no right answer. Um, It's easy to get caught up thinking that there's something specific that you're looking for something Some magic thing that's going to like unlock the door of of the problem that you're trying to solve There's usually like five to ten different ways to address any given problem many of them correct many of them with their own merits and you know the 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 way that you see is the best way to to attack it and uh, The way that you choose to attack it, you know that that's the best way for you and for your specific situation so just having confidence and knowing that you know no one's checking you against a rubric yeah knowing
0: that there isn't like one right answer should give people kind of permission to be confident in what they believe you know not like unflexible but confident in the way that they talk about the work that they did and and the findings that they got to because there will always be people who push back and it's not the end of the world definitely
1: not (laughs) Um, there's always a always a next step and there's always a something there's always a reason that you made that decision so be confident in it
0: awesome that's such a good place to end thank you so much for sitting down um we're about to go to lunch at the riot campus which (laughs) i'm super excited about um where can people keep up with you
1: um so i'm kind of a social lurker uh, so (laughs) social is probably not the best way but uh if you if you want to get in touch if you have any questions about riot gaming strategy um my name leaf L E I F ING E N G 202 at gmail.com. Oh, is my email
0: they drop him the email. All right, Very we'll definitely, specific, definitely so. take, <laughs> take him up on that. I'm sure he'd be happy to hear from you guys and field any other questions. All right, let's get lunch. Let's <laughs> All right. Thank you. A huge thank you to Leif. It was so fun to learn more about what he does now to see how far he's come and how much he's grown and also experience the legit campus where he works. I always think it's really comforting to see someone integrate their outside of work interests into their careers. So if you're a gamer or play video games in your spare time, there are actual career paths out there that integrate gaming and let you stay in that world. And I just think broadening your idea of what you could do is super magical. Advice is so much better shared. Leave us a review on iTunes or share the podcast with a friend. And while you're at it, sign up for our weekly email. It's a small dose of advice and insight delivered Mondays. Okay, I'm off to find some hot water with honey and lemon. I hope you guys have an amazing rest of your week. I'm Natalie, and until next time, you got this.